Uh, welcome to another of Ryan's Tax Technology podcasts. Uh, today we're going to be discussing e-invoicing. Uh, my name is Jim Miyaki. I'm a principal in Ryan's Tax Technology practice based out of London. And I'm joined today by Alex Bolf and Adrian Stella. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves, Alex? Thanks, John. Um, Alex Bolf, Senior Director at Avalara. Um, my role is to track big global changes in the worlds of VAT, GST, and e-invoicing, uh, advise our, our business in relation to products, in relation to content, and working with our, our core partners and customers. Adrian, do you want to introduce yep. Hi, I'm Adrian Stella. I'm a director in Ryan's Tax Technology Practice, also based in London with Jun. Been with Ryan for nearly 15 years now and specialising in helping our clients with solution implementations and general tax automation, uh, mainly around VAT and withholding taxes. And we're now starting to get some queries on e-invoicing, which leads us neatly into today's podcast. Great, thanks. Um, it's probably worth saying that what we're trying to do with this podcast today is look at some of the practical aspects of managing uh, what's coming in terms of the invoicing requirements. Um, but before we jump into that, let's start with the basics. Um, what is the invoicing? Uh, maybe I'll throw that over to you, Alex. Very good question. So, you know, starting from, from the basics, e-invoicing uh, is the exchange and receipt of a electronic document with structured data in a structured format. So, you know, we're really moving away from more traditional legacy formats of invoicing. So no paper, no printing, no scanning, um, and even a move away from traditional PDFs. To be an invoice, you need to have structured data. So we're, we're looking at formats such as XML, you know, a couple of examples of that would be UBL or CII, um, or even a, a PDF A3, which is a, a hybrid document that's both machine readable and human readable, like a, like a standard PDF. And what does invoicing lead to, I guess, from a tax reporting and audit context? So it really leads to more granular data information being shared with tax authorities. It's a, it's a move away from the summary VAT return. It's a move away from having limited interaction with tax authorities, you know, normally on a, on a periodic basis. And in fact, under e-invoicing, tax authorities are getting real-time tax and transactional data every day, every time an invoice is issued um, and sometimes received the tax authority are getting visibility. In some cases, they're actually approving the invoice before it's delivered to the counterparty, to the trading part, partner, to the customer. So they can run checks on the validity of the invoice. You know, does it have all the required contents, all the, right, all the required fields as set out by law? It can run checks on the authenticity of the issuer, the customer, it can use things like digital signatures to do that. And longer term, it will be able to actually look at the, the tax liability. Is it correct? Um, is it reasonable based on, on the transactional data supplied? And I think this is also going to change how tax authorities order. You know, they're going to be
be using all the data they receive. They're going to carry out advanced data analytics. Uh, in Latin America, we're, we're even seeing AI being deployed, you know, really trying to spot not only errors, but, but fraud. Great. Um, perhaps we, we should probably spend a bit of time looking at what the requirements uh, are in terms of what's already in place, what mandates there are already, uh, and then maybe look at what's coming up on the horizon. So um, <laughs> again, Alex, do you want to do a quick, quick brief history over the last 10 years of what's been going on with the uh, e-invoicing? Yeah, it, it, it's a really good question. So if you look at the last decade, most of the, the e-invoicing mandates have been in Latin America and South America. So Brazil was the trailblazer for e-invoicing. You know, they introduced their, their SPED system uh, over 10 years ago now. Um, and today, you know, it's very much part of everyday life. It, it's how businesses do business, how they trade um, within Brazil. But that also spread across the entire region. So you know, countries like Argentina, Colombia, Mexico, Bolivia, Paraguay, Peru, Ecuador, um, they all introduced mandatory e-invoicing regime over the last decade. So, you know, a much mature market there. Um, you know, businesses have a lot of experience, you know, meeting those requirements, um, which are diverse. You know, they, they do vary. There's no real common format, common standard in that region. Um, but in that same time period within Europe, the activity has been a lot slower. You know, where we have seen, um, you know, e-invoicing or digital reporting, it's either been very laser focused on public procurement, so business to government. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen that either individual European countries mandating business to government e-invoicing, you know, a lot of those using the PEPL network and, and, and leveraging the European e-invoicing standard that was created um, you know, for e-invoicing within the public sector. You know, all we've seen um, tax authorities put in the infrastructure to be able to receive an e-invoice for, for B2G. So actually from, you know, within the last um, few years, this has become mandatory that every single, um, you know, government agency across the EU has to be able to receive an e-invoice, you know, even though it may not be mandatory for the for the supplier to actually send it. And the only you know, real mandate we've seen in Europe for business to business has been Italy. So that was in 2019. Um, you know, they scaled their SDI platform, which um, they originally used for B2G. Um, and they mandated that across all business to business supplies. And in that model, it's, it's the supplier sends an invoice to this government platform, the SDI, and the customer actually retrieves the invoice from that platform too. They would log in on the other side um, to obtain that invoice. And actually, you know, just last year from, from July, that mandate was extended to actually include the, the e-reporting of cross-border invoices. So any invoice that's issued um, to a customer outside of Italy, or indeed any invoice received from a supplier outside of Italy, that data needs to be submitted on a timely basis to the Italian tax authorities via the SDI platform. So 
you know, very, very different, you know, comparing the regions. Um, where we've seen tax digital reporting, it, it's been around transactional level data. You know, we've seen various listings, ledgers, SAFTs, um, but not all underpinned by invoice data. But if we now suddenly look, you know, this year, um, you know, the next two or three years ahead, complete change. You know, it, it's Europe's turn. So from, from this year, from January, Serbia became, um, you know, one, the next European country to mandate business-to-business e-invoicing. That system, their e-factura, is, is, is live now. Um, and then looking ahead to next year, suddenly, you know, we have close to 50% of GDP in Europe covered by e-invoicing mandates. And from July next year, France, Spain, Poland, all mandating electronic invoicing. So that, that is huge. You know, that's going to affect around 10 million businesses alone just within those three countries. And, you know, as we look further afield, um, further ahead on the roadmap, virtually every single European country will do the same. You know, there's a, there's a date that's been set, um, 2028, under VAT and the digital age, where under the proposals, intra-community um, intra supplies cross-border um, between businesses will be subject to real-time reporting, and that will be underpinned by mandatory e-invoicing. And so, you know, in, over the next five years, member states are going to want to introduce that domestically too. They're not going to want differences in rules and regulations between what happens domestically and what happens cross-border. Thanks for that, Alex. Um, I mean, maybe if I could switch this over to you, Adrian. Um, you know, the Commission has issued this VAT in the Digital Age proposal, VIDA. Um, should people be worrying about that now? Um, worrying is a strong word, but yes. Um, <laughs> uh, anytime somebody wants to institute a change in an IT landscape, um, it takes time. Um, there are lots of businesses out there on, you know, legacy ERP systems or more than one ERP system. And it's not just when you look at those ERP systems individually, but you've got to look at the processes that go on within the systems as well. Um, so yeah, now is the time to actually start planning. Um, also, if you start looking into the weeds of the VAT and the Digital Age proposals, um, the door has been left open by the Commission to introduce domestic reporting requirements as well. So I think Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, if somebody gets in and imp implements something now, then that's basically safe uh, once 2028 rolls on and you know the uh, the full requirements come in under the proposals. Under under the proposals, there will be a grandfathering right. You know, there'll be additional time for a, a member state to align their requirements um, to this new European standard. Um, although for, for, for e-invoicing at the moment, um, if, a, if a country wants to introduce mandatory B2B e-invoicing, they need to obtain a derogation from the European Commission. In effect, they need permission to do that. Under VIDA, that requirement to get a derogation will disappear. You know, so so um, you know, over, over the next year or so, that will disappear. 
if this goes through. But in the meantime, I don't see the European Commission rubber stamping, um, green lighting, any e-invoicing mandate that, that isn't aligned to this new standard. So, you know, potentially, you know, countries like Romania, you know, who are trying to get a derogation from the European Commission to, to roll out e-invoicing across the entire country, they may struggle, you know, they may struggle, um, you know, based on the models they're proposing. And I think a great example to, to, to look at this is, is Germany. Germany, just a week before the VIDA proposal came out, applied for a derogation. You know, they said, look, we want to introduce mandatory e-invoicing. Um, we don't know when, you know, we don't have political consensus yet for an exact date, but they actually built their derogation request based on the contents of the draft FIDA proposal. So it will be aligned using the European standard. It won't be a pre-clearance system. It will meet the European e-invoicing standard and the formats that support that. So, you know, we expect that will be approved. Um, and I think that will become the new norm. You know, countries will, will, will have to follow this, this, this new European standard as set out within the VIDA directive. Um, okay, so it so sounds like potentially there could be an acceleration in the adoption of e-invoicing across Europe then, um, as long as people follow the sort of VIDA path. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. Um, you know, I, I think this feeder proposal um, removes the traditional hurdles, obstacles for member states to to bring in e-invoicing. Um, but but another interesting area is at the moment, if a business wants to adopt e-invoicing voluntarily, they just want to bring this in for business process improvements. Um, they actually need the the customer's consent. You know, it, it's often called buyer consent. It's it stems from um, the VAT directive, which talks about parity between paper and digital, um, and that you can't force, um, you know, your customer, your trading partner, to accept an e-invoice. So, part of this proposal is also to remove that buyer consent requirement. So, it's not just going to be member states that want to implement e-invoicing and bring in bring in mandates. I think it also removes the barriers for businesses to adopt e-invoicing on a voluntary basis. You know, this will become part of their finance transformation projects. They want to automate their AP. They want to automate their AR. They want to lead to, to faster payments from, from customers um, and be able to automate the entire end-to-end -end, um, P2P or OTC processes. Okay. Um, maybe we should switch over to looking at more the, the practical stuff that people need to be doing uh, in terms of what's coming with these requirements. So again, maybe I'll switch it over back to you, Adrian. What do people need to be thinking about or doing right now um, for e-invoicing? Sure. Um, thanks, Jim. Um, well, I guess the, the key thing is to actually start the planning now. Um, you know, I, I guess I'd say you've got to understand and, you know, start cataloging all of the processes that, uh, you know, are resulting in invoices being issued um, and invoices being received so that you can gauge the impact that these proposals are going to have on these processes. Um, there will be weak points, uh, either process or data driven um, in each of the processes. You can't just sort of say, well, 
I issue invoices out of this ERP, you need to know, for example, well, is it driven by a sundry invoicing process or is it driven by a sales order generated process? Those sorts of things. Um, you also need to understand within those processes where there are points of manual intervention. Um, you know, as, as VAT managers, people will be familiar with the phrase workaround. Um, those are not going to fly so well under e-invoicing if people are, you know, doing things to work around the system. Um, because, you know, the phrase dummy credit, people will have been familiar with, you know, sort of procurement landscape. Um, you know, those things that might have been able to adjust invoices on or off the system and things like that, they result in things that actually end up in the reporting now um, under e-invoicing. So it's really understanding all of the, you know, the ins and outs of those processes from a, um, a, a data manual intervention perspective. Um, and, you know, that, that sort of extends to, well, what happens when you need to correct invoices, which happens. Um, you know, we didn't have the guy's VAT number when we cut the invoice. Well, should we have cut the invoice? Um, you know, that's another question for process. If we did cut the invoice, well, how do we go and fix that? Um, you know, all of those sorts of bits and pieces we're going to need to understand across all of the processes. Um, Alex, uh, what are your views on this? Um, I, I think Adrian just made, made some really, really good points. Um, you know, it, it's looking across your business processes and, and, and tax processes. You know, there's obviously a system issue here. You know, you need to identify, um, you know, what systems, what platforms you use, not only to, to, to raise invoices, um, but to receive invoices. You know, the full AP and AR um, systems. You need to look at, um, are there any specific arrangements, anything that differs for individual customers, you know, maybe they're forcing you to use their own legacy procurement network. Um, do they require a certain format? Do you need to log on to a certain portal at the moment? Um, you know, all of this may change within any invoicing mandate, you know, as we start moving to, you know, one common process. I think data is imperative. Because, you know, if we go back to the start and, you know, what the definition of an e-invoice is, it is a, it's a document with structured data. So, you know, there are going to be very strict requirements in terms of um, the invoice formats, um, the data fields that need to be complete, um, and the format of that data. So, you know, a lot of these e-invoicing mandates are based on um, universal business language, UBL 2.1. It may be that the data within the source system isn't in that format. Maybe it's not granular enough. Um, so part of this early discovery stage is just having a look, you know, what's the current state? What systems, what data? Um, are there manual workarounds? Are there individual types of supplies where I do something a little different? And master data becomes really, really key here as well, because Adrian mentioned, you know, having a having a VAT number or not having a VAT number of your customer. Okay, today, you know, maybe that raises a, a risk, a red flag. You know, you have the risk of, of being assessed, getting a penalty. Under e-invoicing, it's often that tax ID number, a VAT number, which is um, the driver to actually deliver 
the invoice to the customer. You know, it, it is the, the identifier for your business partner. So if that field is missing or it's incomplete, it's inaccurate, the customer may not actually receive the invoice. It fails um, on step one. You know, the computer says no. So that becomes really critical. There are then often um, kind of new invoice contents requirements come in with a mandate. So, you know, looking ahead to France next year, um, the customer's serial number will need to be shown on the invoice now as well. You know, that might not be a, a data field that, that everyone has within their master data. So, you know, now is the time to really review, you know, what master and transactional data do you hold? Um, you know, is that complete? Is it clean? Um, is it in the right format, um, you know, based on the, the mandate? Um, or is it indeed in the right format that, you know, your e-invoice um, software provider will need to ingest, ingest that in? Picking up on the master data point, um, you know, you've got in some systems this thing called one-time customer or one-time vendor basically a dumping ground for the people that are too small to bother setting up with traditionally. Um, you know, those guys, if to, you know, if you need to cut them an invoice, you actually need all their information now. I, I was, absolutely, Adrian. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a really important point. And a lot of the time, the headline for any invoicing mandate is, look, it only applies to large businesses to begin with or enterprise level companies. And, and therefore, you know, SMEs, very small businesses um, are exempt. I mean, that, that's only half the story because, okay, you know, a small business may not be required to issue an e-invoice on day one, but actually by default, they, they are required to receive an e-invoice from day one because they will all have large vendors who are covered by a mandate. So, you know, no longer can a business just say this is an occasional customer or an occasional vendor. Um, they need to be treated the same way. You know, you need the right master data. It still needs to be submitted, you know, via the required government portal, via the, the required network. And it, it's almost um, it's almost like we're all in this together, because if the other party isn't aware of these requirements, um, you know, they don't know how to receive this invoice, how to access it, how to download it, how to even read it. You know, a lot of these invoices are in XML, you know, so they may need a, a human readable version as well to, to pay it. Um, you won't get paid. So to add to that kind of list of um, kind of to-dos, we've talked about systems, we've talked about data. I actually think kind of stakeholder engagement and communications is also key. You know, you need to, um, you know, start communication with your, your vendors, your customers now. You know, make sure um, that they're aware of, of your data. Make sure you're aware of their data. Start that collection process early. Um, but also, you know, start communicating about these new channels, these new ways you're going to exchange invoices together. And if they're not prepared, you know, may, maybe maybe help them, you know. It's imperative the way the VAT system works that, that both parties are able to provide and receive valid VAT invoices. And in this new world, valid e-invoices. And Alex, that, that extends to intercompany invoicing, right? 
So, uh, and, th and that often follows a completely separate process to how you deal with your external customers. You know, I've, I've seen examples where, you know, people just raise journal entries and create Word documents. Um, you know, that's got to all go out the window, right? Com completely, completely. You know, even even some of the largest companies in the world for, for intercompany, you know, they, they have an Excel template and they're you know, manually adding um, you know, various kind of recharges, um, transfer pricing adjustments. Um, under this new world of e-invoicing, it's all about transparency. It's about documenting everything. Um, and, and, and suddenly, you know, tax authorities will get that visibility. So, you know, maybe VAT is the driver, but, but actually things like transfer pricing um, suddenly become even more important because there's, there's greater visibility. It's, it's not just you know, a kind of aggregated file that's submitted um, periodically. It's actually every day when an invoice is issued or received, even cross-border, the tax authorities are going to get visibility. Um, but I think that's a great example. You know, it's an example where it's something a little different. You know, how do you how do you handle intercompany? Um, you'll need to ensure that those in, invoices are compliant under the mandate um, and they, they have the required level of detail. And Alex, um, I know we're getting specific on Vida, but uh, you know one of the things that probably bears thinking about is Northern Ireland. Um, I mean, we've only seen fairly recently there have been more developments there. Um, how do you see that playing out? So yeah, you know, as we um, record this, you know, we're, we're all frantically, you know, looking looking at the the latest developments, um, you know, as, as agreed. Um, so, you know, the, the, the devil will be in the detail. Um, but to the extent that Northern Ireland stays within the European Union for supplies of goods, um, at the moment, that would include abiding by, by the VEDA rules on, on e-invoicing. And indeed, there has been a recent Treasury policy paper that recognises that, you know, recognises the fact that um, Northern Ireland businesses trading, um, you know, with, with other businesses within the European Union, um, you know, would have to follow VIDA and that HMRC are, are following that quite closely. All right. Uh, so I guess from a systems perspective, um, I, I know with some of my clients that the ERP systems aren't necessarily going to meet all these requirements, particularly when they come thick and fast as it looks like it will be. Um, and, you know, we've got some history on that. Um, and we've also got clients that are on the older ERP systems that aren't sort of fully supported either. And I think historically they've gone to point solutions and things like that. But I think, you know, the discussions we've had, um, you know, it's not just a, a compliance problem, is it? I mean, it's getting the tax right up front uh, and there's a whole load of master data issues and various other things. So I guess, you know, what, where does Avalara add value to this? Um, and um, yeah, maybe we could delve into a bit of that. Yeah, no, so, you know, e-invoicing is, is the clear direction of travel for, for tax, tax compliance. Um, you know, long-term, it, it probably will replace the periodic VAT return, or at least, you know, it'll be e-invoice data that underpins how that VAT return is prepared either by um, the taxpayer or indeed the tax authority. So, you know, Avalara already covers the end-to-end -end VAT compliance lifecycle. We do registrations, um, we do 
classification, tax calculation. Um, we support VAT returns and a lot of digital um, VAT filings, things like SAFTs, other listings and ledgers. So, you know, we're naturally um, getting involved within e-invoicing. Um, two years ago, we acquired Imposia, um, a, a leading e-invoicing company based in Germany. And, you know, we've now been working, you know, with them over, over the last couple of years to, to re-platform, um, you know, integrate that into the Avalara um, technology platform and improving it, improving um, the user experience, improving the, the country coverage. Um, and the main thing we've, we've done as well is we're creating a single API. So, you know, rather than have um, lots and lots of different point solutions, different patches, um, different software solutions for an individual country, we have one single e-invoicing solution. Um, with a single API built on a global standard, so UBL 2.1, um, the standard I mentioned earlier. And businesses can just connect their ERP, their billing system, um, marketplaces, other platforms. It's kind of agnostic in terms of you know, where that data is coming from. And that common data set is ingested. And then within our solution, we then uh transform that to meet the relevant country mandate you know whether it needs to be in a required format whether we need a human readable version whether we need to get a authorization code from a government or tax authority whether we need to add a specific digital signature whether we need to add a qr code um, whether we need to route that invoice via a platform via a network or indeed you know send it to the customer um, and then you know, we just add, you know, new country content every time there's a new mandate. So it's built for scalability. It's a single scalable global solution. And flexibility in, in, in terms of how that's implemented. So, you know, that that's our approach. You know, we're, we're very excited about it. We, you know, we've, we've got some great customers already. Um, but with, you know, the wave of mandates that are coming next year, you know, we're now working with, you know, some fantastic ERP partners, um, you know, and, and enterprise businesses helping them on their e-invoicing journey. So, you know, being able to meet um, this myriad of, of, of complex requirements across the globe. And then, Adrian, I guess from Ryan's tax technology perspective, what are we doing to help our clients? Yeah, so I guess we start way back in the planning stage. Um, so we do something called a tax and process assessment, um, which traditionally is focused around the tax processes. But as we're getting more of these invoicing queries, it tends to bleed over into some of the procure to pay and the um, uh, accounts receivable processes, um, looking at, well, you know, where and how are the invoices being issued slash received? Um, you know, going into some of the points we raised earlier about the data points, the manual interventions, et cetera, because, you know, traditionally, once the tax code hits the invoice, it becomes tax data and we deal with it in the return and we can, you know, look at the process from a how do we correct it? You know, now the focus is a little bit more back in the chain. Um, we also then sort of take that a, a step further where we can offer, you know, advice around, you know, maybe support with building a business case for making change. Um, 
traditionally that focuses on automation, but uh, more and more tax people are actually being asked about e-invoicing, whereas, you know, that was more a procurement or a, um, uh, you know, supply chain question. Now people are looking at it saying, well, hey, the commission's sort of saying you've got to do it. So that's a tax problem now. Um, so, you know, people are starting to take a bit more notice of that and we're looking to help them out um, on that side of things as well. Um, not necessarily just the business case, but also the planning. Um, you know, traditionally it's been, well, how do we automate and how do we put in a compliance solution? What order do we do it in? Now we've got a third cog in the wheel of, well, we've now got e-invoicing as well. You know, do we lead with the invoicing, then do determination and then do compliance or what's the best order? Um, but it's also then sort of factoring in, well, what does the existing landscape look like? Um, and IT doesn't uh, operate in a vacuum. Uh, you know, they have other business critical system changes that need to be made. Um, we've got, you know, in uh, the SAP world, people are in the middle of S4 HANA upgrades and things like that. So trying to compete for IT resource um, and plan around that as well. Um, and I guess the, you know, the final leg for us is uh, getting involved and, you know, helping people implement their chosen solutions, um, you know, be it determination, compliance or e-invoicing. Thanks. Um, thanks, Adrian. Um, I think we've managed to cover quite a lot today in a, a very short space of time, but um, perhaps we can leave everybody with a, a key takeaway from today. Um, perhaps I turn to you, Alex, first. What, what, what's the key takeaway from this podcast that people should come away with? Mm -hmm. um, my key takeaway is this is a business critical issue. And you know, businesses should start looking at this today. You know, it is, it's something which will require time to really consider. You know, this, this touches upon various different um, financial business and tax processes. It's going to require um, engagement with a lot of different stakeholders across the business. And due to the number of mandates coming in, this can no longer be seen as a local issue. You know, it needs to be looked at um, centrally and by head office, by the wider tax and, and finance function. And, you know, it's time to really look at this as a single issue. And therefore, you really do need to find a, a strategic partner to help you on this journey, a single, scalable, global invoicing solution. Great. Uh, and Adrian, anything else to add from your side? I think Alex has summarized it pretty well. I guess one point I would throw in is if you're, um, if I could say European listening to this, um, but you're working in an organization that is US headquartered, this may not be on their radar. Um, so I would say to echo Alex's point, you need to probably get it on the radar as something that should be started now. Um, so yeah, that would be my takeaway. Okay, great. Thank you both. Um, I think what we're planning to do is I know there's a lot of clients interested in, uh, e-invoicing and what other people are doing, et cetera. So 
Avalara and Ryan are planning to organize a roundtable for those clients to get together and have a real deep depth, um, in-depth discussion around um, e-invoicing. So if anybody that's listening would be interested in participating in such a roundtable, if you could uh, basically reach out to us and um, I think the contact details are available on the landing page for this podcast. Um, it just leaves me to thank both Adrian and Alex for their time today. So thank you both. Thank you.